What's up, everybody? And thank you for joining us back here on the Boot Sports Network for another episode of Boots to Balls, where we're all warmed up, stretched out, and ready to outkick Louisiana sports coverage with you. Mm. For all you first-timers out there, I am David Storm Manning, PA announcer, game day host for your New Orleans Saints. I'm going to hold on to that one because I need it for day after tomorrow. We've got an early game week. Uh, And joining me, as always... It's Donald Dunn. And this week, Louisiana is much like a coin. You flip it on one side, you win. The other one... Yeah, it's not quite that victorious. Yep, we got a lot to talk about, and we are going to kick it to the comments in just a second. But uh, first, we'd like to kick some love to Natchitoches and the friends and family of Northwestern State Junior Safety, Ronnie Caldwell. Northwestern was scheduled to play Nichols this past weekend. Both teams decided to cancel that game on Thursday, October 12th, after it was reported that earlier in the overnight hours of that morning, Caldwell had died after sustaining several gunshot wounds. We here at the Boot Sports Network send our sincerest thoughts, prayers, and condolences to the Northwestern State community, as well as the friends and family of Ronnie Caldwell. And we ask that you join us in a moment of silence as we pay tribute. Thank you. That said, we're going to be talking a little bit about Northwestern later in the program that yep. um, um, because of all of those things, there have been some changes to their athletic schedule. Right. Uh, they've got a, a game against Southeastern. I think we're going to be making predictions that's on. That's right. Now moved up to Thursday. So two Thursday games this week for Louisiana. Indeed. It's going to be a busy week for Louisiana. Absolutely. Sports. All right. Before we jump into Louisiana sports, as promised, we'd like to kick it to the comments if you guys ever have anything that you would like to add to the show, right. whether it's just thoughts, comments, or your own predictions to the games that we predict, feel free to leave those comments. You can leave them in the comments section of the YouTube video if that's where you that's right. that's where you get us. Or you can always go over to bootsportsnetwork.com and you can leave comments for us there as well. Some of the great comments we got, and these are just some of them, not even all of them. At Charlotte Hall, 5767 said, another great show. How about tip time instead of just the tip? Mm, Comments continue to come in. So we're not 100% sold Mm, on the name of that segment. Keep keep it pumping up. up. We'll talk about that when we get into it later in the program. We're still taking suggestions. We'll, We'll add that to the whiteboard. At N.A. Moore 1279, commented their excitement for the Auburn game. Said, Producer Brett, coming in with some great content this Mm. episode. Kudos to you. Still no acknowledgement whether or not N.A. Moore is male or female. Just floating in the void. Just going to let that go. We're going to hold on to that as long as possible. And I'm just, I'm going to have to give them the they. That's right. Uh, The Easter Bunny, however. Mm. The Easter Bunny 6-1 is female. Definitive. (laughs) They... They let us know that. Written she, in she, excuse me. She, she let us know that right off the jump. So thank you, Easter Bunny. Is there a Mr. Easter Bunny? Is there only, only one Easter Bunny? Is there a Easter Bunny universe? I am so mind blown and confused right now. Mm. At Ashley Boudreaux, 9034 said, yes, I agree with Brett. The SEC realignment has ruined the traditional rivalries. I almost forgot about the earthquake LSU fans caused during that Auburn game. You get a lot of love in the comment section from last week. Well played. Look at and, old producer Brett. And he didn't get canceled after his <laughs> comments either. That's right. He returns for another week. 
And I smoked a stogie at the Auburn game. Did you do it on the 50-yard line? No, not this year. It was our field. I wasn't like the crazy dude who jumped over, and if more people <laughs> followed him, then I would have smoked it on the field. Now, that was an interesting sight to see. That was a little something. I saw a TikTok video that said, uh, my friend decided to jump the rail to show Auburn how to run the ball. <laughs> Only for that guy to get speared and spine busted Ooh, later on. Yes, he did. I tell you what, he took a shot. Gave it all up. Yeah, he did. Uh, back to the comments. At M.W. Reyes Walker said, this is pro. Yeah, it is. That's right. I mean, we try to be. So thanks for noticing. And uh, our final comment we're going we're gonna to note today. At Jack Vincent Music 6785. Boots to balls equals success. Yes. That's what we're aiming for. We appreciate that, Jack. Great success. Also said, more LSU! We're trying. Yep. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to get to some LSU in just a little bit, but let's just get it over. Get it over. Done with it. Just right. rip the Band-Aid off. The Saints show a little bit more of the same in Houston, losing 20-13. Yep. to 13. So like I said last week, I was cautiously optimistic after the Saints win in New England. Mm-hmm. As a lifelong Saints fan who remembers the pre Breeze era. Yep. Now, you and producer Brett, uh, y'all little, little young. Little young. I turned 45 yesterday. Right? Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, so, Drew Brees got here in 2006. I had 25 years of football prior to that. Yeah. Rough. No. More or less. Somewhere around that ballpark. In the area. So. You guys in in 2006 were how old? Uh, just getting bullied for the Saints being uh, coming <laughs> off that 13 to three season. That's what I remember. So you were you were eight ish, eight yeah, nine ten ish, yeah, yeah, somewhere in, in that ballpark. Early elementary, yeah. So I have some memories of like from age five to ten of being a Saints fan, but mm-hmm. not vivid. So I don't imagine that you guys have a lot of memories of what it was like to be a Saints fan. Prior to Drew Brees. I remember booing Aaron Brooks <clears throat> in Tiger Stadium. That's all that you really need to know. Well, I've never been a Saints fan, so. That's why you sit in that chair. Again, how do we keep him here? I, how are you the producer of a Louisiana? I I'm think not, it, I, I'm not even going to yeah, get into uh, it. Yeah. Um, as, as a lifelong Saints fan, somebody who remembers that pre-Brees era, you learn to temper your expectations. That's right. It, you did. Uh, just because the Saints could show you in one game against a junk team what they were capable of yep. did not mean that they were going to every week against better teams. Uh, and that's why I was I was disappointed, mm-hmm. but I was not heartbroken Nor about this loss. Surprised? Were you surprised? No, actually. I mean, I really... <sighs> On the surprise percentage scale... Uh, Maybe 51%. Okay, so just a little bit. Just barely over half. Just like a touch. We all predicted that we thought the Saints were going to win, that they, we thought they yeah. should win. But once the game started, and I'm going to get into why in just a little bit, I very quickly went, nope, we're losing this game. Nope, nope. I knew that from very early on. Uh, but before I get into why I knew, Donald, here's what I want to do with you. Okay. Like a lot of Saints fans did over the, uh, over the, the weekend and the start yeah. of the week. Let's play the blame game. Oh, my favorite. All right. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Whose fault is it for the Saints loss? Not somebody who coaches the offense, but we're just going to call it the whole offensive unit. You say the offense? Yep. 
So the Saints offense was actually statistically mid to good. I would say on a scale of one to five, they were about a 3.5. Yep. 430 total yards of offense. Derek Carr went 32 of 50 for 353. All respectable. All very respectable. 64% completion percentage. Olave got going. C.J. Stroud only completed 48% of his passes. Mm -hmm. Saints were 40% on third downs, which was better than Houston's 36.3. They were, however, 0-3 in the red zone. Ah, that's the thing that's not adding up. Yep. Yeah. That is where the offense failed tremendously. That's right. They ran almost 20 more plays, eight more clock, gained more yards. So why couldn't they win? Why wasn't this game closer? The thing we're allergic to, it's called touchdowns and field goals. We haven't been allergic to field goals until last week. Yep. And here's the the point that I was going to get into for that. This is when I knew that the Saints were going to lose this game. Oh, you knew the... When Blake Groupie missed the first kick. Ah. Actually, I I would even go on record to say before that. I knew that the Saints were going to lose this game. Okay. When I saw Blake Groupie share on his social media accounts that he was uh, the NFC Special Teams Player That's of the Week right. after the New England game. Now, here's the thing about that. Um, that is a heck of an honor. That's right. And for any athlete, but more so a rookie in Week undrafted five. Undrafted rookie at that. An undrafted rookie in Week 5, NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. So, yeah, good for you. Mm-hmm. And I am, myself, personally, somebody who from time to time likes to tout my accomplishments. Yep. Um, I, I find usually that when I do, it's not long after that that something comes along to deflate yep. my ego and bring me back down to the earth. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who are watching who know me, yes, I did just admit that I have an ego. I do. I have a little bit of an ego. Don't we all? Yeah, absolutely. All the great ones do. All the great ones do. That's what keeps you motivated to be great. Um, but sadly, I knew as soon as I saw him share that post to his social media, it was all... this week was going to be his karmic retribution game. Mm-hmm. It was going to be the anchor to his ankle, the humility checkpoint. What goes up must come down. Correct. And I'm not mad at him. Like I said, every great That's has right. an ego to some extent. Some will let you see it. Others won't. But it's that ego that motivates them to be great. And when those greats have ego-crushing experiences, they learn much more, That's right. much more quickly from them than they do any other experience. I mean, he's gotten the gambit in the first, what is this now, we're at game six. He's already made a game winner, missed a game winner. Special teams player of the week, not the most productive player of the week on the Saints. Yeah. Now, there are some people that are going to, Hang this entirely on Blake Groupie. And let's let's go back and let's play around a little yeah. bit. Blake Groupie missed two field goals. He makes those two field goals, then the Saints are down 20 to 19, not 20 mm-hmm. to 13 in the fourth quarter. So instead of having to go for it on that fourth down, you can kick the go-ahead field goal. You take the lead 22-19. Saints squeak out with a victory, and that changes the tone with which we're talking about the Saints Indeed. this week. We're maybe not super excited. But, but we're not going to drop the hammer near as hard because we've got to win. Four and two sounds real good. Four and two sounds great, especially when you're going up against a four-win Jacksonville team on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I like the way that looks on paper much better. Absolutely. Much better. Um, but it did not happen. Nope. Those kicks missed, and because of it, it forced the Saints to have to do things from a very uncomfortable place. Mm-hmm. 
You had to go for that fourth down. You put a lot of pressure on the Saints' offense. A lot of scratching, and that is clawing. not a unit that has responded well to pro- to to pressure this year. Not at all. So, uh, and I and I will say this uh, again. You want to talk about the offense mm-hmm. and and that. Um, if you believe that everything is all hunky dory on the offense between Derek Carr and Pete Carmichael, um. I think that you need to to see this video. Let's take there, a look here. There was a video. It got shared to TikTok. I saw it. Now, when we watch it, it's going to be a mute video because mm-hmm. the original video had some rather salty commentary that was not appropriate for the show. But it'll still get the message across. Let's go ahead and uh, let's kick it up to the boot screen. That's right. Let's take a look here. So right here, you see Derek Carr coming off the field, and he is giving Pete Carmichael to business. Right? Dropping that shoulder. He is, getting real into it. He is not happy. Uh, pointing you can see the yelling that that helmet came off very aggressively he's still yelling at pete carmichael who's trying to walk away brings him back around yep. and he's ah forget you mm-hmm. um you cannot tell me that everything is good on the offense between the coaches and the players not quite not uh, there's a lot of frustration in that yep. video that just Built and built and built and blew up. And that's going to continue to be a thing until it's fixed. Mm -hmm. The Saints have to do something about that. Um, Talking about the defense real quick, uh, because I did say I thought it was a whole game loss. The defense was good. Uh, They played well, as expected. They weren't spectacular, but by no means were they bad. They kept Houston to under 300 total yards of offense, despite giving up a season-high 20 points. Yep. Still isn't bad. No, not at all. Season-high 20 points, that's fantastic. They did pick off C.J. Stroud for the first time, as you predicted. I'll take take the flowers. Thank you, thank you. I'm only going to give you one flower. You were only right on the pick. You were wrong on the person. You said Marshawn Lattimore. It was Zach Bond. Close enough. Honestly, I would have been way happier if it was Marshawn Lattimore because I think he probably had a better chance of holding on to that ball. Mm-hmm. Zach Bond turned around in that interception return and fumbled it right back to Houston. Experience difference right there. So it didn't really have much of an impact as far as, as what we were able to do no. with the ball, though it is still a nice yeah. stat for the Saints to own. So uh, And sadly, no other turnovers. That was the only interception that, that he threw. Uh, and the Saints also had seven penalties for 83 yards versus three for 29 yards on the Houston side. Yeah, that's just very yeah. undisciplined football, and you you can't you cannot do that. Um, and I will say this: we're gonna we're gonna get into more Saints football when we get closer mm-hmm. to the prediction for right. the Thursday night game against Jacksonville. Here's how I feel about it. Okay, I am a company guy. That's right. I, and I'm saying as a company guy, as a member of the New Orleans Saints organization, and as a lifelong Saints fan, and as somebody who will always uh, pull for and hope for the best for my team, uh, you can't tell me that there aren't big frustrations. Mm-hmm. Dare I say problems on the offense that if they don't get corrected this season, I would not be surprised to see get corrected, corrected in the offseason. I, I didn't get a chance to pull the audio from it, but... Uh, there was a press conference with Dennis Allen That's on right. uh, Monday. And the theme seemed to be execution for a while. That's right. And you guys got to remember that execution is a word with multiple meanings. That's right. 
And when he was talking about execution, he wasn't talking about necessarily the player's ability to execute on the field. Mm -hmm. He was also talking about the coach's ability to execute from a coaching standpoint. That's right. If one can't do one, the other has a hard time doing the other. And if neither can do, somebody needs to be executed. That's right. And who's that going to be? Only time will tell. I, I think one thing we can see from this Saints team at this point where a good enough chunk into the season to understand is that this team is consistent. It's consistently missing the mark by just enough to put you in a bad situation as the game comes to the end. And I think that's why fans are so frustrated. I agree. Because you know that they're capable of better. Mm-hmm. With all the talent that they have, Derek Carr's not a bad quarterback. Yeah. You've got Michael Thomas who's staying healthy. You've got Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. Between those three receivers alone, they are splitting up secondary. Exactly. You've got a fantastic tight end core. Yep. On offense, your line is probably your your biggest setback. I'd, I'd agree. Once we get the two-headed dragon bag on offense between mm-hmm. Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara, I'm still super excited to see what that's going to look like. And he's eligible this week, correct? We'll uh, see if he plays, but he's eligible. So he is still on IR according to the injury reports okay. as has of earlier not been today. Has not been. So he has not been removed yet. I would think that he is eligible Today, but if he is eligible but still on the list, that he's means he's probably not coming off. He's not. He's not ready. Yeah. So that he might still need a, another week or two. But still, seeing it down the road. Correct. I, I'm. I'm excited for it. We still got some other games where uh, we're going to need to nice. have them. So uh, we definitely need that back. But something is is going to have to change. This much frustration through six games in the season cannot continue to happen. Throughout the rest of the regular season. And, and it's carryover frustration because it's not new frustration. It's a lot of the same type of, you know, you were there, but you didn't finish. You were there, <clears throat> but you had a critical mistake. You were there, but somebody didn't execute. That we spent the entire last season looking at. And that consistency is something that needs to change more than anything on this team is a chance for us to rewrite our sort of standing in all of this to say we can go and put two, three weeks of quality dominating football together because that's the one thing the Dennis Allen era hasn't seen yet is multiple weeks of consistent play that would get this team in a position to be a proper playoff team. Obviously, the Saints aren't out of any playoff race yet, but you have to be able to do it more than just back and forth, loss and win, especially now that it looks like Tampa isn't going to be quite the pushover many people predicted. Yeah, 100% agree. All right, that's all I want to say for now. That's right. We'll say it for later. It's, it's bringing me down. We'll come back. We'll uh, we'll talk about how I feel like they're going to fare. How we feel like they're going to oh, fare absolutely. this Thursday when the Jacksonville Jaguars come to town. Let's uh, let's head on over to a different part of town where mm-hmm. Tulip. Well, they actually weren't in town. They were in Memphis, Ooh. and they had a fantastic fourth quarter comeback to beat the Memphis Tigers thirty-one to twenty-one. They were down 21-10 in the middle of the third before scoring 21 unanswered second-half points to come back to beat the Memphis Tigers. They are now 5-1 and one overall, undefeated mm. in AAC conference play. And I don't think that surprised many people. Getting back into it. Uh, they have finally returned to the AP Top 25. They moved up from a would-have-been 30 the week prior, seven spots, to an actually number 23. So, Donald, we talked about this on the show before. Correct. When Tulane, uh, when they lost to Ole Miss in week two, they fell out of the AP Top 25. Mm-hmm. I asked you, are they going to make it back? 
and we debated it. We were quite hesitant. We were we were very hesitant, and it was because of the lack of notable challengers on the rest of their schedule. Yep. And here's what I mean by that. This is their remaining schedule. It's all conference. North Texas, that's sitting at three and three. Okay. Rice, that's sitting at three and three. East Carolina, that's one and five. Mm. Tulsa, that's three and three. FAU, that's three and three, but undefeated in conference play. And UTSA, that's three and three, two and zero oh in conference play. No disrespect no, to Memphis at all. at all, who entered the game unranked in the AP Top 25 with a 4-1 record, undefeated in American Athletic Conference play. What is it about that win that made the coaches pop them seven points in the polls? I think you have to look at the situation that sort of has been created in college football for a group of five teams. There is a certain understanding that only one of these teams is realistically going to be relevant as we get into the major bowl games at the end of the year with their automatic qualifier to the New Year's Six Bowls. You have to look at the fact that it is almost impossible to expect more than one of them to go undefeated by the end of the year. So traditionally, you see the last undefeated group of five team get to be first in line for that New Year's Six Bowl, and there's not much debate there. Currently, that is technically the case. Air Force is ahead of Tulane by two spots. However, you have James Madison creeping up the heels, also undefeated, and then you have Tulane, who suddenly pops back into the top 25. I think what can be said, and it's not necessarily a uh, you know, uh, conspiracy theory, but I think it can be said that the pollsters, not only from the coaches but the media, believe that Tulane has a strong shot to finish, especially with that schedule that we just lined out, in that top position, be they 11-1, 12-1 the AAC championship, to be that highest-rated opponent in the uh, group of five. So we'll see as the season progresses. They have a very strong amount of, uh, I'd say, firepower left. They haven't suffered these major setbacks that other teams in their uh, ranks have. So, you know, as they continue down the AAC slot, I think there's a good chance they end up taking that uh, spot away from Air Force, who has a good game uh, this week against another uh, military academy. I agree with Donald. They have a very strong amount of cupcakes left to play. Like I said on one of our first episodes, they had one team to play this year. They lost, and they don't deserve to be ranked. You know, he says that. Mm -hmm. But did you realize that for the second week in a row, he's wearing that same green plaid shirt? Dare I say he gave Tulane the keys to victory? I think he, I really honestly believe that he has a resume in for the Tulane AD job. He wants it. And he's just not telling us. He sits there and he talks all this garbage about Mm -hmm. Tulane, Tulane, Tulane. Like he hates it, he hates it, he hates it. If I got the job, here's how I would destroy the whole program. No, I think I think he legitimately actually wants it for all of the other reasons he'll never tell us. I think he enjoys women's rowing. I think he enjoys... <laughs> hey, Bayou uh, St. John is beautiful this time. That it is. That it is. I think he enjoys uh, some baseball down there at, uh, you know, in Uptown. I think he's. I think he's starting to get a fever for it. They still have a frost stop down there. I think they he misses do. the frost stop. Uh, I do like the frost stop, but we have one in Baton Rouge. That's true. There is a frost That's stop right. down there. I forgot about that. All right, do me a favor real quick. Okay. Uh, you said something, and this for the benefit of uh, new fans or maybe mm-hmm. people who are just starting to get into college football a little more. Explain what you mean when you say a group of five teams. So a group of five, that is the non-Power Five conferences historically, the American, the Sun Belt, Maction, the 
Let's see. We got the Mountain West, and let's see if I can hit them all. Conference USA, where our favorite dogs up in Ruston play. Uh, these conferences generally have one chance for the national stage, which is their automatic bid to the Group of Five, which will then – sorry, to the – Excuse me, to the New Year's Six Bowls, which next year will become an automatic bid to the college football playoff. So it is incredibly important if you are in these lower tier conferences, we'll use it in quotes because they've certainly pulled enough upsets to be respected. You have to almost win out. You can maybe get one loss against a power team like Tulane has against now number 13 Ole Miss. But if you make many more mistakes than that, you're going to end up in places like, and excuse me, to the 318 in Shreveport at the Independence Bowl, freezing in mid-December. Yeah, man. All right, so let me ask you this. Just went over the remaining schedule, as uh, the new AD over at Tulane Mm -hmm. said, all the cupcakes, right? If Tulane wins out, which they should, statistically, you don't see any reason why they couldn't, how high do you think they go in the top 25? Hold on, it's a multi-point question. Okay, okay. Do they move at all? Could they win? Could they win out and still fall out of the top 25? Kind of like our friends in Pineville, which, by the way, is a damn travesty. We'll talk about that. Yes, we will. Okay. Okay, so multi-point. Do I think Tulane wins out? Are they going to automatically be the highest ranked team? That's not what I asked. Okay, you asked if they're staying there. will Will they go up? In the polls, will they will they increase their poll standing? How high do they go? I think if we're looking at what they did last year, which was a miracle being a two-loss team, uh, I think they get into the teens. I don't think they get past they're, – they're not going to be in conversation for the playoffs, so I don't see them getting past maybe 12. I think that's about as high as they cap out at with a lot of losses from teams ahead of them. Are they going to fall out? Yes, they can fall out, which is some of the saddest part for these type of teams. If James Madison continues to go undefeated and they get an NCAA grant to be able to play into a bowl game, they can go ahead. If Air Force is undefeated, you can absolutely guarantee Air Force is going to go ahead and they will probably kick Tulane out of the top 25. I think more than likely they'll be there at the end of the year. They'll show their best foot forward. And if they win the AAC 12-1, and that's a certainly a great season not only for Tulane fans, but it proves that maybe it's time for them to head to a new conference. Potentially. I would love to see uh, them in a stronger conference. Um, and, and part of what we, we talked about last year, you got to also remember that last year Tulane had Cincinnati. That's right. In the conference, and Cincinnati was a very strong team. I want to say they finished just a game behind Tulane. Yeah. And they were a late-season game uh, that, I think, had a lot to do with... Propelling them correct. a little bit forward, yeah. Really showing how legitimate Tulane was. Plus, it was a it was a bit of a darling story going from, yeah. what was it, 2-10 two two and and to 2-12 yeah. to 12-10. To, to two and and yeah. It was quite the turnaround. It definitely got a lot of attention. Absolutely. I, I'm anxious to see what happens with Tulane in the, in the coming weeks. I don't think they're going to have a lot of struggle. Um I would like to see them stick around, but it'd be nice to see. We'll see. Only time will tell. Speaking of things we would like for our mm. friends, we would like for one of our listeners to be the lucky winner of $10,000. Could be you. Family Promise of St. Tammany Parish would like to give you that $10,000. Family Promise is an organization 
that provides shelter, help, and hope for families on the North Shore. They cannot do it alone. So for only $25 from now until December 15th, you can buy tickets for their fourth annual Family Promise Raffle. Starting on November 1st, which is right around the corner, they're going to draw for amazing daily prizes, and all daily winners will remain eligible for the ten grand. The $10,000 grand prize drawing going to take place on December 15th. The more tickets you have, the better your odds. So get yours now at fpstp.org. That's FPSTP, short for Family Promise of St. Tammany Parish. FPSTP.org. The Boot Sports Network has grown once again. Not only by all of you joining, following, subscribing, wherever you do on whatever platform, we're now on a new platform. We were picked up by TuneIn Radio, the popular app there on your phone. So once again, another place to take us with you, be it digitally, video, however you care. We're there. So you can subscribe, follow to the Boot Sports Network on some of your favorites like YouTube, Instagram, X, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, all of them. We're there. And you can follow us, influence this show, and become part of the community that is forming a pretty well-established presence in Louisiana now. We're up to over 50 subscribers on several platforms, and you can take us to our next goal so continue to show your support, show your love, and we're always thankful for you here at the Boot Sports Network. It's only been two short months. That's right. So what that means is you guys are listening, you're liking, and you're telling your friends. We thank you. Keep it up uh, because we're going to keep doing what we do here. And we, uh, we love to share this, uh, what we love with you guys That's right. and gals. So thank you much. Speaking of what we love. How about them Tigers? Oh, we do love a good LSU win on a Saturday night, don't we? Yes, we do. How about it? 40. 8 to 18 in Tiger Stadium. Got a little chilly at the end there, but the Tigers were hot. That's the kind of game that you wish LSU played every week. That's right. It jumped out to a 17 nothing first quarter lead and then just kept kicking the war damn Eagle Plainsman Tigers right where producer Brett established their cojones should have been all night long. All night long. And you didn't see any let up this week, which I think so many of the Tiger faithful were excited to see. It was such a breath of fresh air. You didn't have the defense let them back into the game. Jaden Daniels kept the heat on all night. Malik Neighbors was showing why he is now definitively the number one receiver in the country right now. The Tigers are in motion. Can they keep it up? Though? So before we give away all our flowers. That's right. Because we have spent a lot of time on this program talking about how good Jane Daniels in the offense That's right. But if you didn't see it, at SEC Network on TikTok posted this post-game press conference clip from Auburn head coach Hugh Freeze. And this is what he had to say about our offense. Let's take a look. Back to the boot screen. I think their uh, offense is the, is the most explosive that I've seen in a long, long time. I, I didn't... Uh, I wasn't a coaching when uh, they had their run with Joe Burrow and them, but uh, this 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 quarterback, if if he's not in the Heisman discussion, there's a there's a problem. But he's playing at an incredibly high level with dynamic receivers, and there's not a weakness on that offense, and uh, it's impressive to watch. I challenge you to tell mm. me any part about that video where he was wrong. I think he was right, which is maybe a first for a coach to tell no lies. And I tell you what, well-deserved high praise for Brian Kelly's LSU Tiger offense. That's right. Jaden Daniels, 
they were all they were outstanding. Twenty five first downs. Jaden six of or the Tigers were six of nine on third downs. Five hundred and sixty three total yards of offense. Jaden was twenty for twenty seven. Three twenty five. Three tutties. One pick. All right, you yeah. got to clean that up. It was a pop up. It, it was up. a pop up. So I'm let know. it go. Um, I'm not saying Jaden's got to clean up the offense. That's you right. can't be giving the ball away. Ninety three rushing yards. Uh, that was Jaden second behind Logan Diggs, 97 yards on 18 mm. carries. That is exceptional production. Absolutely. From our offense. Um, and the defense wasn't that bad either. No. Uh, they held Auburn to only 18 first downs, 18 points. Auburn was only 25% on third downs. There were one for two on fourth, less than 300 total yards for the Auburn offense. And both Harold Perkins and Makai Wingo. That's this is what I'm talking about that's right, right so we've here. Been waiting on it. We've Get waiting your on name it. called. Both of you guys got sacks this game. Yes, that's right. Yes, Harold Perkins with a massive sack too. I mean, absolutely, just coming off the side. Correct. That's the kind of New Orleans had a a full team loss. This was a win in just about every facet of football for I'd the agree. LSU Tigers. I agree. It was awesome. We proved our defense is better than Georgia's. We we held them to less points than number one in the country Georgia did. And that is the law of parity. And that is what I think LSU is going to have to use going forward if they're going to, you know, continue their march up the polls. You saw them move up to 19 in both polls this week, finally escaping the 20 rankings. So I think right now we have a national presence that is both recognizing Jaden Daniels for what he is. He is now automatically in the conversation, despite the two losses, which many people a few weeks ago were going to say was an automatic disqualifier. He is beginning to take this team to a place where they're respected amongst the big teams once again. And it's no longer a automatic, oh, LSU is going to you know just fumble it away. LSU is now respected. And it's going to be big as we go into those larger games a couple weeks away. So we're talking about the respect that LSU has now. You heard Coach Hugh Freeze talk about if that kid's not in the Heisman Trophy conversation. He is. He is. But currently, according to the odds makers, Jaden is tied for fifth with Florida Mm. State's Jordan Travis at plus 1,300 odds. Washington's Michael Penix, current favorite as of Sunday afternoon with J.J. McCarthy from Michigan and Oklahoma's Dylan Gabriel at two and three. How we feel about that? I think ultimately. Oh, I heard it. My click. My words. Ole Miss is going to lose to Georgia. LSU is going to beat Alabama, and the second Jaden beats Saban twice in a row, Heisman locked in because we're going to be SEC West champs, SEC champs. Because assuming it's Georgia, I think it's going to be Tennessee. But assuming it's Georgia, we play in the East. Look what Auburn did to Georgia. Look what we did to Auburn. I rest my case. And that's an interesting perspective to use. I think that there's some a, a lot of truth in it, too. What overall Jaden has done is he's shown that he is a multifaceted quarterback. He took all of what he got thrown on him last year with he just tries to run first. He's not looking for his targets deep down the field. He not only can still run on you at an elite level, but he can now pass on you with the very best in the country, currently leading the country amongst the Heisman candidates in passing yards due to Michael Penix's week off. And he had a pretty good performance against Oregon, but it wasn't quite enough to put him over Jaden. Caleb Williams, on the other hand, yeah, clean it up. Yeah. So 
ultimately, he just has to keep playing like he's playing. He has Army this week. We still have Georgia Southern coming. Sorry, yeah, Georgia Southern. No, Georgia State. We'll get into that in predictions. Georgia State coming in later this year. That's two games where Jaden could easily put up five, ten, five, ten total touchdowns between both games. There's no reason why he can't keep his production up. Will he keep his national favoritism up? Will he keep the praises of the national media coming in? Because that's who's ultimately going to vote on this trophy. Michael Penix, if he goes undefeated, that's going to be a hard person to say no to. Taking a team like Washington all the way, it's going to be a hard guy to say no to. I agree with that. Uh, And I think that one thing that Jaden Daniels has to do to protect his chance at the Heisman Trophy is protect himself. That's correct. And I saw him finally start to do that against Auburn. There were a lot of times when you could tell that he, in other games versus other teams, would put his head down and he would race for the hit. Straight through the middle. Not this time. Mm -mm. You saw him slide a couple more times, run for the sideline a couple more times. Instead of trying to force something, there were a couple times that he just smartly threw the ball away or he's making better decisions now. I agree. He has taken some legit kill shots Oh yeah, this year. If he continues to take those shots, eventually the body's going to break down. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to be able to produce from the sidelines. And I think somebody probably told him that at some point. Yeah. Somebody, look, you got to take care of yourself, kid. Like, for real. Mm-hmm. This is a very violent game, and you are taking the most violence of any quarterback maybe in college football currently. And it's not only, you know, we talk about a Heisman for LSU. He's now played himself out of the, you know, late round picks. People are talking about taking Jaden pretty high in this draft. So he's made himself into a draftable asset. There's a lot of people who are now saying, now, wait a minute. You have to make sure you're doing what's going to keep you viable now, keep you viable in five years, 10 years. And the thing is, I think he's smart enough to know how to incorporate that into his game. You, uh, he, he reminds me so much, and it's it's a unique comparison. I've heard a couple other make it. He is somewhat of a more complete passer, Lamar Jackson. College Lamar Jackson. We're not going to use the NFL because the NFL Lamar Jackson kind of took a bit of a turn from his college game. Jaden can throw at a much higher rate than Lamar could, but he can run the same way they got Lamar that Heisman Trophy. It's it's truly entertaining. I think Tiger fans need to take a moment to truly appreciate that we only have a few more games left with him, and it's going to be quite the entertaining aspect. I just wonder where all those uh, armchair quarterbacks at the beginning of the season who said, put Nuss in, we'll make 500 gajillion more points with Nuss are, because I, I haven't heard from him lately. They're on the bus. <laughs> they they're sitting right next to him on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's where they are. And look, they probably still love Nussmeier just as much, but when the entire nation is talking about the production yep. that Jaden Daniels is putting out currently, and he's winning mm-hmm. against SEC teams, he's finally we've finally gotten back to that. Yep. And it was never the offense's fault in the first place. It, I you know how I feel about it. Oh, yeah. We've we've talked about it. I, I, I think the defense, whatever. I'm not going to get off on that tangent. Yeah. You, It has gotten to a point where, uh, and as an athlete, that's what you want to do is silence the haters. That's right. 
Jaden Daniels has silenced the haters. And not only that, you're now creating LSU into something more than it felt like they were going to be after taking that Ole Miss loss. It was very close to a lot of people saying, okay, we can write the season off. We're going to take one or two more losses. Is Brian Kelly's going to have to entirely rebuild and gut this thing. People don't have that feeling anymore. And while it's not guaranteed that you're going to get a chance to play for a big game, obviously, you know, you control your own destiny. Now people are pretty confident in these Tigers. People are pretty, you know, they're at ease. They understand the defense will probably not make a top 50 list this year. But with that offense, you can beat anybody. So here's what I'm going to say. While I loved the LSU game overall, I do have some constructive criticism. Okay. Some things that I think that they need to, to take into consideration. Um, I think they did great with time of possession. Mm-hmm. They 34-13 to 25-47. I would love to see the LSU defense get a little more aggressive. Oh, yeah. Create a couple more turnovers. There's, there's a lot of people in the front line that can disrupt the quarterback if they can get to that line. You start to hit quarterbacks early. And you're seeing it with the Saints. Absolutely. Uh, they start to have, like, their clock starts ticking faster. Mm-hmm. They start making decisions quicker, and it causes them to make more mistakes. And that's when our secondary becomes more opportunistic. Absolutely. That needs to start happening. Uh, and two, the team needs to be more disciplined. They had 12 penalties for 100 yards. And if they do that against SEC darling Alabama, Mm-mm. and you know. What we're saying. You know the flags are going to fly. When LSU plays Alabama, it's going to be laundry day. That's right. I'm sorry. Tell me that I'm wrong. Watch the game and come back and tell me that I was wrong. Bet on me. Don't bet against me. The math is the math. If they have 12 penalties for 100 yards, it is not going to cut the crimson mustard. No, it is not. Won't do it. Especially in Tuscaloosa. Nope. No, it won't. But otherwise. Last year, Bama had more penalties than LSU did. And you saw the result. Correct. That's that's what I'm saying. LSU played a more disciplined game last year. They need to start doing that consistently. Yeah, Saban's paid so much for his players these last few years with NIL. He hasn't been able to pay the refs. Allegedly. Allegedly. We'll keep him around another week. We really, we got to send you through HR training and legalese, and you go get me in trouble, man. But one thing I think we can take away is that I feel as though when you get these games like we have this week, and we're going to go more in depth during predictions, LSU is going to see something they're not going to see any other time this year, this week. They're going to see a predominant running team, a team that is bred by the run, made by the run, only can survive via the run. I was born in it, raised by it, molded something. And what's more important? What's my line? (laughs) And Dave, what's more really important, quick, Dave, please be banned for Halloween. <laughs> is that the next find team? me the mask on Amazon? <laughs> so look, if somebody out there finds me the mask and gets me the mask, I'll do the whole show as yep. Bane. I'll, We're doing it. We're doing it. I will do the whole Halloween show as Bane. We'd love to see it. Send it in. <laughs> We'd appreciate it. You simply adopted the tigers. Oh, I was born into them, raised by them. You never know what you're going to hear on Boots to Balls, friends. And one thing that's so good about playing a running team like Army, Alabama needs to run a lot. And calendar says Alabama's next after Army. So Mason Smith, Kai Wingo, Whit Weeks, Harold Perkins, 
Get a whole lot of live target practice. Get your forks, knives, and napkins, boys. It's time to eat some run. Come on. It's coming right at you. And it's going to be a long game for our friends. But we'll get to that in just a minute. Bring a you appetite. All right. We got some other things we got to get to. We're going to uh, talk basketball in our segment, mm-hmm. currently dubbed Just the Tip. And we're going to kick it around the boot in just a second. But Absolutely. before we do that, no self-respecting sports fan likes to play on ugly turf, which is why I and so many others trust my lawn care to Florida Green Lawn and Landscaping. Chris and the crew at Florida Green do a whole lot more than mow lawns, which I can tell you that from first-hand experience, they do do well. But they can also help you with landscaping, installation, plant and garden maintenance, drainage, irrigation installs and repairs, pavestone patios, fences, and much, much more. <sighs> for examples of their work, check them out on Facebook at Florida Green Lawn and Landscape. Or for more information, you can call Florida Green at 504-240-8044. That's 504-240-8044. Email fdglandscape at gmail.com. Tell them David Storm sent you. Florida Green Lawn and Landscape. They love what they do, and you will too. I do. And, of course, every week we come to you here from Echo Tango in the capital city. But what we have here has been a unique space, which I think has truly started to inspire some of the minds here at the Echo Tango Suite. And coming soon, they have some pretty big news to reveal. But right now, you can see the ability to use the boot screen, the ability to have these amazing camera angles where you can get right close to each of our individual lovely faces. Camera angles! is all courtesy of the folks here at Echo Tango. Echo and Tango. once again, we have to thank Tommy Talley and everybody here. And we look forward to sharing some news in the coming weeks because uh, it's going to get pretty big for y'all. Thanks, Tommy. All right. Do we want to kick it around the boot first, or do we want to talk basketball? I think we should kick it around the boot. Let's kick it around the boot. All right. As uh, as we reported earlier, mm-hmm. following the shooting death of Northwestern junior safety Ronnie Caldwell, who has since been listed on the Northwestern State website as their male athlete of the month, Northwestern has announced a change to their athletic schedule. Their scheduled game against Southeastern has now been moved up to Thursday, so teammates and staff can attend Caldwell's funeral services Friday and Saturday in Austin, Texas. That game remains a home game at Turpin Stadium for the 7 p.m. kickoff at Will Air on ESPN+. Now, if you guys are local here in the Capital City area and you're over 18, you think you got what it takes to ball Louisiana Swamp Gators could be looking for you. They're currently practicing, getting ready for their upcoming semi-pro season, and I don't believe it's too late to join. You can connect with them on Facebook and Instagram, show up at their practice schedules and locations. Find out more at la.swamp.gators on Facebook and Instagram. That's la dot swamp dot gators supporting every level of sports here in louisiana that's what we do here on boots to balls and as we give our support to every level of sports here in louisiana as you gave your support to us up there in pineville we saw you shout out to everybody who gave some love uh you were not given the same love by the NAIA polls this week. Robbed, I say. Absolutely flabbergasted are we here at the Boot Sports Network. Travesty! Travesty! How do you beat a team by 45 points, absolute route, remain undefeated, and drop in the rankings? they too good. They're too good. They're too good. This coach is jealousy. That's the, what it the is. The haters are forming. They are starting to mouth off, but it does not affect 
the Wildcats up there in Pineville, Louisiana. I'll tell you what, Louisiana Christian, beat them by 55. That's right. You still can't get back on the list? Beat them by 65. Beat them by 75. Y'all know you can. We know you can. Make them see you. We see you. That's right. We see you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for the support once again. All the folks up at Louisiana Christian. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for seeing us, by yeah, the way. But thank you for seeing us as we see you. <laughs> but what we saw this week was Dr. Shaquille O'Neal become the president of Reebok Basketball. My name's Shaq. It I wasn't uh, quite on the radar, but what was on Shaq's radar and his first move over there at Reebok was to make another budding Louisiana and LSU great Angel Reese, his first signing in a NIL contract. So Angel Reese is now the second player with a unique apparel deal with a major athletic brand, joining her newly joined teammate Haley Van Lith, who has an Adidas membership. Now, you and I both understand what this means. You have a Nike school with a LSU player that's going to be in Adidas, and an LSU player is going to be in Reebok. But, but, but wait! The shoe war is going on. But what did Nike do this summer? Mambasita. That's right. They're a Mamba and Mambasita sponsored school. So now you have three major shoe brands <laughs> who decided to all join together here at LSU because the team is too good. You're going to have 12 to 15 players wearing 12 to 15 different pairs of shoes, shorts, and jerseys. They just got to throw all of the shoes into Mike's cage, and whichever one he picks wins. I think so, because at this point, everyone's picking the Tigers, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. How would you say that you're going to, whatever one he picks, wouldn't that be the garbage one if he's going to eat that one first? No, no, no. You see, it's like those weird nesting doll rituals. You just throw like them in different areas, and whichever one he walks towards, like you put one this side of his cage, one here, one here. That's the one that he likes the most. Yeah, but then, sorry, Shaq. They picked the Mamba shoe. Or, sorry, sorry, Mamba, they picked the Shaq shoe. Yeah. Well, he's got four legs. Just put one on each of his legs. I mean, who's better, Shaq or Kobe? Oh. Shaq. I mean, I know who was a better player for LSU. And I think that's which one we're going to be fans of. I We might. Might be a little bit of hometown pride. Just touch, just touch. We'll have to see how that plays out. But what has just the touch is just a tip. And we're about to start our <laughs> basketball s- segment here. You said that like you're with like you're starting to accept the with title. Absolute just forward progression. We're gonna move in that direction. All right, so here's the deal. I've been giving this a lot of thought. Okay. And as much fun as it is for is me my, to watch you squirm. Is my work finally done? <laughs> no. Oh. No, it's not. But I will say this. Uh, eventually, football season will end. It will. And when football season ends, uh, the show is going to start to get heavier a into other sports. More basketball. It's, it's going to take on a lot more basketball, and, and we'll start talking about football and the offseason happenings. That's right. The way that we're talking about basketball and what the offseason happenings were there. Things are going to switch. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm a guy where things have to make sense. Okay. It doesn't make sense to, to keep man. calling it just the tip. It made sense now because we were talking about it, it just a little bit just here, a little, little bit, bit there. Here. Just, just a smidge. It was just the tip off, just the beginning, like the beginning of a basketball yeah. game. It was just the tip. And it might have had a bit of an undertone. Maybe. <laughs> Probably knows? not. Who knows? So as we start to get into heavier basketball coverage, that's right. 
I feel like we need a, a, a more suitable name. And I know some people who are good at naming things. Well, I've, I've come up with one. Okay. And I'm going to throw it out there. And we'll see what you guys think. And look, ultimately, whatever we name it is, is fine for us. But we want it to be something that you guys enjoy just as much as we do. That's right. And we know that some of you enjoy just the tip. I'm going to miss saying that. We could call it boots to backboards. Okay. You can't call it boots to balls because if you kick a, if you kick a basketball, it's a, a technical that's, foul. That's a penalty. Yeah, it's a, well, it's, it's a for foul. those of you who are coming from the football side. So yeah, no, you can kick Pro, a football. Producer you Brett, can't. cough, cough, cough. But, but if you like just the tip, make a petition. Petition David Donald to keep it. No, say if you want us to keep it, just the tip. Say just the tip, and, and we'll now strongly we can only say it three it. more times, or we're going to get flagged. So. <laughs> So boots to backboards because we kick glass. Oh, see right? now with a catch line looks so, pretty good. So there's a little bit of attitude there. That's right. I like it. Um, jump balls. A. We lose the tip, but we keep the balls because we know how important that is to some of our listeners. Um, so jump balls. Okay. There's, there's another jump one. Jump balls. Yep. Um, intentional fouls. Hmm. A little bit of a bird reference there. I wanted to say foul balls, but that would be more of a baseball segment if we ever got a baseball team again. Coming later this year. Who knows? <laughs> so, Bring back the baby cakes and change their name. Yes. But as we dive into basketball. So if if you like any of those names that we just throwed out. Tell us. Throwed out. That's good. Word. Tell us which one. Words are hard. Uh, tell us which one you like. If you like just the tip, let us know and we will consider keeping just the tip in. Accurate. <laughs> legally right. mandated pause let's 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 get into this thing, let's shall we? so lsu basketball the women's team has once again shown why they are truly the leaders of the sport right now despite what some people might say in national media we will not mention who work in boston they are number one in both of the polls as they have come out this week both ap and coaches the only other team who anybody had the bravery to even throw out a number one vote was the ever-powerful, the ever-strong UConn. So, Perennial powerhouse. That's right. LSU is now outranking those juggernauts, perennial powerhouses. Gino is not the top dog. It is Kim Mulkey's throne, and she is sitting in it confidently. It has been Kim Mulkey's throne. Kim Mulkey could have gone to middle-of-nowhere State University and made it a championship program. She is here. That's right. She is ours. And we are hers. And I think the biggest difference between creating a championship program is that at LSU, she's given not only the resources, but she's given the ability to go out there, use all of LSU's power, and create a dynasty, which is 100% her goal and objective. LSU, Kim Mulkey. You know what we are? Unbeatable. Number but one. That begs the question, should we erect a statue of Scott Woodworth, our athletic director, because he hired both Kim Marupke, Brian Kelly, and... Uh, Wait, what's, what's our coach's name? Uh, athletic director, Scott Woodworth. No, not him. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the ladies' Tigers basketball Kim coach. Kim Mulkey. That's okay, right. Okay, making sure we Brian got that. Brian Kelly. And who's the baseball you got, coach? Uh, Jay Johnson. And Jay Johnson. Who happened to also win a name. Yeah, Jay, Jay Johnson won We don't forget about your two. baseball. Kim Mulkey, year two. And Brian Kelly very well might in year two. I, I think that they are, I think they're looking at the trophies, um, but they're waiting for Brian Kelly to actually get his. Yeah. So, 
And then uh, at that point, you know, the world is yours, and you've already done what you could do. I mean, once we get the hat trick, we put up all three at one time. That's right. Best Ooh. hire, Scott Woodworth, throwing that out there. Woodward. So, yes, but it was not as happy of a day when we saw the men's rankings in this state. No. You see, our basketball teams on the <clears> fellas' <throat> side is not doing too good right now. Uh, you have some strong teams, don't get me wrong. Our friends at Tulane are certainly gearing up for another year after getting some very strong recruits, might I add. Uh, they've made great strides. Last year had, I believe, a 20-win season, which certainly puts you in contention for a lot of different playoff uh, end-of-year tournaments, I should call it. Uh, and then you have the LSU men's basketball team, which we certainly saw get off to a hot start last year. And then SEC play showed why you don't want to lose over three-quarters of your team to the transfer portal. But there is good news. There is a silver lining. I like silver linings. The sun is coming up over the horizon. While we could not use the AP poll, nor could we use the coaches poll, as LSU received votes in neither, there is always the ever-present basketball ranking, which many of you are familiar with if you're a fan of the sport, and that is the Ken Palm rankings. If you're not familiar with this, this is a long-time basketball ranking site, which basically gives some of the most prediction power, <clears throat> most accurate and predictable power rankings in the sport of college basketball. And LSU men's basketball is 47th. Out of? 300 plus minus whatever the NCAA currently allows. Okay, so I'll take that. That's right, and if we recall, <laughs> the NCAA tournament is a team of 68 teams. Yep. So you're theoretically in that elite company. Now, I want to see this team. Coach Matt McMahon, as you may have seen, uh, I was out at open practice this week before the Tigers played Auburn in football, and the team is put together in a pretty unique way. Still a lot of those emergency uh, transfer portal guys from last year when we lost so many after the dismissal of Will Wade, but Matt McMahon's starting to put his own spin on this thing, and he has a decent roster. This team is not going to be out of many SEC games by default. This team could easily start to make some waves as we get later in the year if they get hot at the right time and you don't see a lot of injuries. I'm not ruling anything out for this LSU team, but Right now, they're your leaders in the state in the world of men's basketball. But once we transition over to professional basketball, we got a little bit more to look at because uh, it's almost time. Yeah, man. Let's take a look at some professional basketball right now. Why? Uh, <clears throat> as you guys know, we record on Tuesday. And today is the final preseason game for the Pelicans. They are in Orlando taking on the Magic. And they have the Pelicans have not had a good preseason. Uh, so far to this point, they are 0-3 in preseason. Mm, they fell what you'd love to see. 122-105 to 105 to Orlando in game one. They got destroyed 120-87 to 87 by Houston. Most recently fell 110-105 to 105 to the Atlanta Hawks. But as we speak, right now, it is in the final minute of the fourth quarter. 57 seconds left. Your New Orleans Pelicans hold a 10-point lead over the Orlando Magic. Oh, it's a good... 102 to 92. It's a good feeling. I like sitting on a 10-point lead in the final minute. That, it is. That is NBA comfort. Yes, it is. A sign of victory is ahead. And, you know, it's preseason, <clears throat> so we're not going to take it super seriously. No one ever really should take any sports preseason that seriously. But there were some things that were noted. 
there were some things that were definitely uh, obvious through this preseason. And I'm not going to be the one who's telling you I watched every single second of preseason NBA because as much as I'm a diehard Pelicans fan, repping it tonight for you all, I'm not that diehard. I can't watch I can't watch it that long. I can't. I'm sorry. But what I did see, because I do watch highlights, which is important to do here. We have continued, exception of the Rockets game, to show that top to bottom we are a defensive threat, which everyone already knew going from last season. And our offense is just not quite hot yet. You have players like Jose Alvarado, you have players like Larry Nance, Trey Murphy. Basically, your entire second unit is out right now to injury. Our offensive unit, I'm sorry, our starting unit right now is currently still producing at a high clip whenever they're in together. We saw that during the first game, and it's gotten better now, particularly this last game. You see Zion, as I believe we are going final. It's done. It is done. 104-92. It is done. It is now basketball season. If you did not know it, the next game will be for real. Hells have a preseason win. That's right. And Zion put up 16, 3, and 3, and 5 steals. I like Brandon Ingram was uh, 8 for 16, 2 for 2 from the free throw line, 18 points total. And this is a a thing that they they really have to work on. They do. The Pels in preseason averaged 42% shooting from the field, 32% shooting from behind the arch, and only 66.3% from the line. Those are things that have to be better. Jonas Valanciunas did not. He's a seven foot tall guy. Exactly. And he's, he's shooting three pointers. Your, your seven foot center doesn't need to spend that much time outside the arch. He's been working on that shot and I'll give him that. Oh, I know. I've watched him do it up close and personal. And when he hits it, it's a, it's a big pop from the crowd. But when all you have to do is hop and you're slam dunking it. That's right. All you got to do is find a way to get open down low, take the easy two. Mm-hmm. That's those are the things that need to happen. Unless you're in a point where you've got to clear the way for something dynamic to happen from any one of our our big outside shooter guys. And that's the that's the thing. I don't. Mm. I think this might be a move here by the Pelicans coaching staff to where you want Jonas out of the way because Zion needs some room to work down low. So. While you're still utilizing him in a way to get points to the basket and to be scored under the basket, where we know Zion is absolutely top class in the league, close to 60-70% shooting percentage, you know, Jonas is going to have to find a spot on this team, like it or not. He's in a contract year. It was a lot of discussion, would he make it through the offseason at all? You saw him have a pretty good run in the uh, World Cup. So, you know, Jonas is not a bad player. But his role on this team is looking kind of strange at this point. He needs to solidify that at this point. I think that's going to be one of the main things while you're still without Larry Nance. Hopefully it's only for a couple games here as we start the year. The man has to be the dominant center because you don't have much coming off the bench. You have some fresh guys like EJ Liddell. You're going to have Cody Zeller assuming that he's playing any minutes at all sort of as that stopgap until you get Scary Larry coming in off the bench to give you a good 20 minutes. But right now, Jonas, I think, is going to be the critical point where this early Pelican season, talking the first 10, 15 games here, makes or breaks. 
You could easily yeah. start this season five and ten. You could start this season ten and five. It's going to largely depend on the performance of our interior unit because as long as CJ's shooting, as long as I sorry, as long as Bi's hitting the mid range shot, that's sort of taken care of. Herb Jones is going to play defense, but Zion and Jonas are the two most variable comp. Uh, parts of this starting five unit, and they are going to have to show that they are dominant. Yep. So the the stats I gave you, the percentages shooting, that was before today. Today's uh, percentages, 49.4 from the field, so almost 50%. That's up. Better. 25% three-point shooting, which is way down. It's got to come up. Free throws, 73.3%, which is up from 66. Yeah. So that is a great increase to the Trending average. Trending in the right direction. You did see a lot of um, players in this game that you're probably not going to see much of mm. in the regular season. Again, it's your last preseason game. But speaking about some of those players, Hawkins and Daniels. Yes. Got some really decent production from those guys. They consistently averaged about 20 minutes per game. That's right. Um, some of the games, they had more points. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had better output than others. But... To let them play 20-plus minutes per game in the preseason says you're definitely going to see some big things in the regular season. Oh, absolutely. Out of both of those two guys. I'm excited for that. Yeah, Dyson coming into his second year, you know, we have to acknowledge he's a top-ten pick. He is supposed to be able to dominate at at the absolute least a second unit in the NBA, if not go out there and compete at a starter's level. You know, obviously we got him pretty young out of Australia. He didn't quite have as long to develop. So, you know, give it a year or two, and then he might be able to be on that starter level. As you know, we start to see other players like CJ maybe start to age out and play more of a bench role. But Dyson is going to be a critical part of this team, and I think that he's actually ready to show that he's a pretty well-rounded player. He didn't look bad at all in that World Cup this summer. Yep. When the Saints do poorly in preseason – those are the years they tend to do better in the regular That's season. Right. Regular season for the Pelicans starts October 25th, and I'll be anxious to see if uh, the same juju befalls them. As will I. As will I. All right, we ready to look back? I think we're ready to look back. All right, so last week we predicted five games. Of them, only four happened. One of the games yep. we predicted was the Nichols-Northwestern game that got canceled after the shooting. So uh, we are going to scrub that one from mm-hmm. the record. Uh, so going into four games, that's right. We'll start with Southeastern Lamar. The final was thirty to twenty-four. Lamar. Mm. Brett got in on this one. He threw a wager out because he's trying to uh, to up his stats, and he did not get this no, one. He no, was he nowhere near close. It was fourteen to seven was his prediction. He was off by thirty-three points. Ooh. Donald, you said Southeastern, so you did not get no, it by not. virtue of no. team. Uh, you said 24-21. You were nine points off. I got the right team, and I was eight points off. I said 31-17 versus 30-24 was the final. So Pretty good. Ding for me. Oh, you think that's pretty good. You just wait. Oh. <laughs> it gets better. As it always does. Kind of. Ew. All right. Tulane at Memphis uh, was the next game that we picked. Memphis. Final was 31-21. to Tulane. And uh, Brett did not jump in on this when it was just you and I. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were 17 points off. You said 41-28. I was 16 points off. Ooh. 38-30. It was so very close. Uh, but I take the ding by one point on that one. Tip my hat to you. Thank you, sir. LSU versus Auburn. We remember that was a 48-18 LSU dominant performance. Absolutely. Uh, I did not take this one. 
I said 44-29 LSU. I was off by 15. Brett came in, his NCAA predictions. He said 14-12. to 12. You were off by 40. <laughs> Wrong. Your brain of Brett prediction was much closer. Uh, you said 48-28. Mm. It was 48-18. So you were off by just the 10. Um, oh. Donald was closer. Oh. He said 55-17. Only off by eight points. So Donald takes the ding on that one. Saints-Texans was the last game that we called. Um, Houston won 20-13. to 13. Yep. We all said Saints. So we were all wrong by virtue all of, of team. So we have to go to point differentials. Mm. Brett said 21-7. He was off by seven. Mm. Hell of a pick. You said 27-19. to 19. You were off by 15. So you were off a little yeah, bit there. a little bit out there. You did get CJ's first pick. Before the fourth quarter, uh, but I don't think no, that, that, that doesn't weighs count in. for our game. No. Do you remember what I said? You said something pretty good there. I said twenty to thirteen Saints. Mm-hmm. That was the exact score, right? That was, was the exact. That was the exact score. score. That's our first Houston exact won. score. You are a contract employee of the Saints, correct? Uh, yeah. That which is part of the NFL, right? Dude. I didn't bet on it. So, so what you're saying Dude. is it was. Why would I have said Saints you're, if I knew? You were following a script, huh? He got the alternate he got script. The script early. He got the T-shirts that go to the other country. That is the only script that I go by right here. The script that I write for this show. The only other script that I have access to is my PA script when I get to the Dome that tells me when to say, your New Orleans hey! This man is peddling 2009 Peyton Manning Super Bowl story. jerseys. Um, look, I tell no one to bet based on my predictions. Do not. We because you can't do it. We do this for fun. That's right. I am not allowed to bet. I cannot legally tell you to bet based on my predictions. I can tell you for fun, and this is just me doing this for fun, how I think the game is going to go. And I love, love, by the way, that last week I was off by one. Mm-hmm. Or you were off by yeah, one. Well, Somebody was yeah. off by one. I was off by three. And nobody was like, oh, you got this great. The one time I get lucky and ding that thing right dead center of the bullseye mm-hmm. of the wrong dartboard. Suddenly everybody's, oh, he's got it in. It's scripted. It's scripted. <laughs> it ain't scripted. I wish it was scripted because I'll tell you what. No, no, I'm not going to tell you nothing. Roger, come get your boy. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to tell you nothing. If it was, I would, I would know. And I wouldn't, I honestly, the type of person I am, I would not feel fair mm-hmm. doing predictions when I know what the outcomes are going to be. I do not know the outcomes. Says exactly what someone with the script would say. KMA. The Vegas aliens are out KMA. The weekly winner this week was me. I had three out of four. Donald mm. was one of four. And Mr. Conspiracy Theory in his Tulane shirt for the second week in a row laid a big green egg. That's what big you did. Big green egg. Uh, the overalls, I am now at 20 of 39. Donald 16 for 39. Brett 5 of 18. All right, moving ahead. Looking Something ahead special this about this week, right? Yes, uh, special this week. We've had uh, a couple of weeks of just shorter predictions. We usually try to go about six. Yep. And uh, two weeks ago, we had five because Tulane was idle. 
Uh, we were going to do five last week yeah. because we had some some weird schedules. I like to give Teams some love to every Tuesdays. team in the state, you know. So to now we've got seven. We're picking seven games. Seven. Record here on Boots to Balls. All right. So our first game, Southeastern at Northwestern. Going back to you guys, shouting out. Again, that's moved to Thursday. Both of these teams are winless. And statistically, just not having a good year. That's right. Of course, as we've discussed in the tale of the tape for who's having the worst year overall, sadly, I think Northwestern has a slight edge in that one. I don't know. Southeastern was ranked. <laughs> yeah, but Southeastern didn't have a player murdered. Well, there is that. If you're, Yeah, okay, we're considering that. If this game happened three weeks ago, before the Caldwell shooting, I'd have picked Southeastern in this one. Despite them both being winless, Southeastern is getting better production out of their team. They're averaging mm. 22.2 points per game. Northwestern hasn't scored that many points in one game this season. Yep. However, right now, Northwestern University, Natchitoches, that whole area and yep. the community need a feel-good story. Humanity over sport. With the spirit of and the tribute to Ronnie Caldwell motivating the team this week, uh, they should not lose. They, mm. they should not lose. I am going to take Northwestern in a close, ugly tearjerker, 22-19. And, you know, I do, of course, extend my deepest condolences to the Northwestern community, to all the folks up there in Natchitoches. Don't say and, it. Don't say it. You know, I, I hate to do it. But you're going to do it. You don't hate it that much. No, I hate to do it because what I'm about to do is just absolutely disgusting. Yeah, it's going to rub salt right in the injury. It's, no, it's going to get worse, but you don't know how yet. Sweet Jesus. Northwestern, I'm with you. 27 to 24 in overtime. Southeastern wins. Why would you do that and make it so so close? That's just an insulting prediction. Well, because it's not going to be because overtime if it's not close. Ultimately, and unfortunately, both of these teams are not good. And we can say that confidently now. Statistically backed up. They are not good. And when two teams that are not good play each other, nobody wins. But this week, Southeastern is a winner. But Northwestern needs to win. They do need to win. How do you show up to Ronnie's funeral on Friday after you don't win the game that you played to tribute in tribute? And I think they'll show a lot of love. I think they'll be very supportive. I think they'll be good teammates. But the football team is not there this week. Lying up. Prove them wrong, Northwestern. Look, and look, I want to say this. I am a Southeastern alum. I graduated from Southeastern. Yesterday was my birthday. My kids got me a Southeastern Dad t-shirt. They go to Southeastern. I'm proud to have that shirt. I'm proud to be a Lion. It would be messed up for them to win this week. I'm Mr. Hot Take, who just throws out a bunch of random BS just to make people mad, and even I'm for Northwestern this week. I'm for Northwestern, the school, the community, the people. Just be noticed. Just not the Donald football team. The Festival of Lights. Because he has no soul. The Festival <laughs> of Lights. I love I-49, the uh, Arts and Science Academy, the Popeyes right there when you turn right off the interstate going up north. I know you, Northwestern. I know you, Natchitoches. But I know football. 
and the Lions will win. So I'm I'm locking this in. You're Lions locking in it overtime. in. Lions in overtime. All right. If the Lions lose, you have to stay on the next show. I am a heartless monster. <laughs> he needs while to looking he straight needs, into the camera. No, he needs to wear your "I was wrong, Dave was right" shirt. Yes, <laughs> the shirt may indeed have to pass a banner. We'll see. All right. UL versus Georgia State. ULL. Mm. Yes. The four and two Cajuns host the five and one Panthers of Georgia State. Sunbelt Conference action, with the exception of the season opener, which was a 42-35 seven-point win against Rhode Island. The Panthers have won the rest of their games by an average of almost 17 points. Their one loss to Troy, who sits atop the Sunbelt West, was a 28-7 trip to the woodshed. The Cajuns have been playing a bit closer than that. Despite having a weaker record, the Cajuns are statistically stronger, averaging more total yards per game and rushing yards per game than the Panthers and their defense looks just a smidge stingier, which is why I think the books give the three-point edge to the Cajuns in this one with an over/under of 62. A shout-out around the third, a shootout rather around the 30s for these two. I think that sounds about right. I'm taking UL 34-30. So, what's important here to realize is that while that is some excellent analysis, there's only one thing that truly decides college football. College football. College football, and that's uniforms. <laughs> Recruits are decided based off uniforms. Did you and Brett like have a face-off? Or Brett, those freaky Friday Brett's NCAA swaps? predictions are made on uniforms. The Cajuns got some new uniforms. And by that measure, the Cajuns will win by seven. 37 to 30. Sense, LSU would have beat Tennessee what? last Cajuns. year because those smoky grays are horrible. But don't forget to watch this game. Georgia State comes to Tiger Stadium in a couple weeks. Have you not learned your lesson yet? Oh, I know. Piggybacking I'm... your predictions off of mine, you never win. All right. Cajuns. Brett, you want to get in on Icy Whites. No? Icy Whites. Nah. Okay. Just wondering because you got some catching up to do. So yeah. I'm just asking. Digging a hole. If we get to a game you want in, I know you're in on, on LSU, but if there's any other game you I want in I want it on. to be noted that the reason that Donald henceforth is going to be in a wide shot isn't because his camera ran out of battery, but it's a protest from me for not picking Northwestern. Wow. <laughs> you're not going to get him close up anymore at all? Nope. <laughs> Being subjected to turning and looking at all of you, <laughs> including producer Brett. All right. Game three. ULM versus Georgia Southern. The two and four Warhawks in the midst of a four-game losing streak travel to take on the four and two Georgia Southern Eagles. Looking at the season so far, I want to say that UL Monroe could easily be four and two considering their one-point losses to Texas State last week and Appalachian State two weeks before. Where are they from again? North Carolina. Carolina. Got to sneak it in every show. All right. Um, Yes, uh, but their other two losses were blowouts by South Alabama and Texas A&M. The two wins this season were close, low-scoring contest against Army, uh, which I kind of like for LSU this week, and Lamar. They say good teams find ways to win close games. Sadly, statistically, I can't mm. say that they're a good team. Mm. They're only averaging 136 passing yards per game. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 318 total yards of offense. ULM quarterback Jaya Wright has thrown only one more touchdown than he has interceptions this year. His season stats currently 62 out of 114. That's a 54% completion percentage. 
694 yards, six tutties, five picks. That is just not going to be enough against a Georgia Southern team that's averaging over 450 yards per game in total offense, whose rush defense is stingy enough to shut down the strongest part of your offense. It's going to be ugly. I'm picking Georgia. I'm picking Georgia in this one, 45-20. Georgia Southern. Uh oh, the mic's on. I'm gonna not pick Georgia Southern, and I'm gonna go ahead and say 21-7. And the reason why I say this is a lot of people don't remember, but Georgia Southern started uh, the beautiful LSU 2019 year. And to quote my friend who went to Georgia Southern, "You didn't just beat us." you beat us up because of the amount of injuries they had. And so I'm going to throw that LSU voodoo magic against them and pick the other team 21-7. You don't even know who the other team is. I just spent like a minute and a half. And what's critical about all of what producer Brett just said is there's so much voodoo magic in Monroe, Louisiana, that there actually isn't any. So we're going (laughs) to see exactly zero voodoo. LA Monroe wins. I'm going to see exactly Y'all Z- both wearing shirts and say I was wrong. Z- Z- Hold on. He hadn't even made his prediction yet. Zero voodoo magic from ULM, but not zero points. We're going to give it a uh, just kind shellacking. 30 to 3, Georgia Southern. Ow. Eagles to the roost. All right. ULM, you beat Bama once. I believe in you. Cool. Saints won a Super Bowl. They beat Nick Saban's Bama once. <laughs> All right, game four. Southern at Bethune-Cookman. Did I say that right? That's right. Cool. It's time to predict another mid-Saturday down with the Jacksonville Jaguars coming to the Caesars Superdome Thursday. That leaves Everbank Stadium open to host the visiting 3-3 three and three Southern Jaguars as they face the 1-5 Wildcats of Bethune-Cookman. The Wildcats are another team in the midst of a four-game losing streak. The last three losses by six or less. Southern's last three include convincing wins against the Lincoln Oaklanders, 45-18, and a 27-0 shutout of Arkansas Pine Bluff with a 26-19 loss to FAMU sandwiched right there in the middle. No matter how you stack this one up, the Wildcats are just outmatched. I think the Jags win in Jacksonville. I do not think it's going to be close. I'm picking Southern. 38-13. And I'm going to jump on that same line of thought. I think that overall Southern is hitting their mark. They're getting warm. Uh, you know, and I, I think we just will throw this in here. You know, they also have a coach who is uh, dealing with some uh, medical nature, uh, cancer diagnosis. Uh, so best of luck to him. We wish all the best over there from them and their program And I think the Jaguars use that as a bit of motivation. The Jaguars use that as a bit of rallying cry on a tough road game. uh, This game could get actually quite well attended here in Jacksonville between the two schools. Uh, It's going to be very fun, and I'm taking the Jaguars, taking them 28-18. to Not a huge victory, but a victory. I like it. Tulane versus North Tejas. You gonna you gonna get in on this your your new uh, your new job? It would really as their, as their future AD. I gotta say, um, Tulane the, the entire schedule's cupcakes. They're gonna beat them by twenty seven points. I'd say twenty seven to three Tulane. That's not twenty seven points. Shh. Okay, <laughs> you know what? They're gonna score twenty seven points. You grammar Nazi. Twenty seven to three Tulane. Okay. 
And now I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give the uh, the breakdown of okay. the game. It's going to be a very green Saturday in the Big Easy as the Tulane Green Wave hosts the North Texas Mean Green in AAC Combat. Mean Green are three and three overall, one and one in conference play. Tulane, you know, yeah, they're back in the AP top twenty-five. Michael Pratt looking good as he ever did, and that Green Wave defense has been consistently good all season long, allowing less than eighty rushing yards per game. If Tulane's going to get beat anywhere, it's going to be the secondary. North Texas junior quarterback Chandler Rogers is having a great year, throwing for over 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns, only one interception. Despite those numbers, the rest of the team is really only average. And two of the games that they've won, they could have just have easily lost. That's why the books favor Tulane to beat the me or Tulane to be the meaner green mm. by 20. That's what the books are giving 20. Tulane. 20 point 20. favorites. Uh, that's at home, and I'll buy that hype. Mm. Tulane stays atop the AAC for another week. And if you're a better who, for some dumb reason, bets according to my four fun predictions, for fun, uh, you're going to hate this one. The over-under is 61 and a half, right? Mm-hmm. My prediction is Tulane wins 41-20, taking that half point under and a one-point spread beat. Wow. Wow. It's mean. It's mean and cruel. Mm-hmm. But the mean green are mean and cruel. But are they the cruelest? It's homecoming week down there in Tulane. Show enough. Everyone's coming out to Yuleman. Everyone's going to enjoy the game. Some decent weather. It's not going to be too hot. It's not going to be too cold. But the Tulane offense is going to be cold. Taking Tulane. 30? Mean Green, 24. Wow. Two lanes yeah. favored by 20. You're only giving them six in this. Line is smelly. Line smells bad. I hope that happens. Okay. Okay. Yeah. LSU hosts Army. Before we do this prediction, I just have to say something. I know uh, you do. You have to say Brian something? Brian Kelly. <laughs> Brian Kelly. I'm asking you. I'm begging you. This is. If you were begging, you'd do it on your knees. This is a service branch team. They're notoriously not that great since like the 40s. We have one of the best offenses in LSU history. Georgia Tech Cumberland holds the uh, highest scoring game record at 224 to nothing or something like that. Look, don't put in the second stringers. Don't put in any third stringers. Give Daniels those Heisman yards. Just Jaden get hurt right before Alabama. Just, just keep scoring, please, please. I watched the Southern game last year. You could have done it then. Don't show mercy. Just please, just please beat the record for me. Thank you. That's why you didn't get the head coaching job. You have Alabama the next week, and if they get up 100 to nothing at halftime, you don't want Garrett Nussmeyer taking the rest of the game? Not till we beat the two twenty four to nothing. Your priorities are warped. But I would also be like on side in it because I wouldn't trust their defense. So anyway, all right. So once again, you you want to throw out your predictions before I give the breakdown? You want me to break uh, the tape? I game played down first? NCAA and I believe I won eighty six to three. You couldn't even break the record. You know, some coach you are. There's only five minute quarters in the game I play. But is um, that a excuse? Sounds like one to me. 
I think realistically, knowing that Brian Kelly is not going to listen to my begging because he's professional and <laughs> cares about <laughs> team morale. I can't wait till we get Brian Kelly on the show. Oh, and it's it's just um, so I, I'm going to say 58 to 10. No, 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 58 to 7. Okay. Okay. Coach Kelly. Yeah, the door is always open. We record yep. here on the Capital City every Tuesday night. If you're free and you want to come face-to-face with producer Brett, uh, just reach out, uh, info yeah. at com, and we'll definitely set that up for you. All right, here's the breakdown of the game. Okay. Oh, because we do love Louisiana Saturday night in Death Valley, don't we? The Army comes to town and while we have the greatest armed forces in the world, they do not have a very good football team. The Black Knights are 2-4 and four in a three-game losing slump, and if you think they're coming to Death Valley to break that streak, I got some oceanfront property in Ooh. Arizona. Uh, it's not going to happen. This team is unlike anything Army has seen all season long. Don't be surprised to see Jaden Daniels walk. Okay. Walk into the end zone a time or two. I'm saying that's my that's part of my prediction. Okay. Uh, all the drills, military precision in the world won't have Army ready for the Fighting Tigers. The defensive line does need to be ready, just like our actual armed forces. Army's better on the ground than they are in the air. They're a rush-heavy team, averaging almost 200 yards per game. When they do decide to throw, secondary, that's your time. It should be a confidence builder, but stay humble. You know you got Bama calling next. Uh, by the way, the over-under on this one, 57.5 with LSU at 30-point favorites. I think LSU almost hits the over-under by themselves. Oh. I'm picking LSU big, 55-17. Okay. So I, generally speaking, try to give my most accurate prediction every week. Me too. That's why I hit the Saints game. Now, we're playing a game here. Is that correct? That's uh, what it's supposed to be. We're trying to win the inaugural Boot Sports Network predictor trophy. And I'm behind, and I need to get some ground. So I'm going to go with a unique prediction for the sake of the game. Our game. Sake of our game. Yeah. Of our game. I have LSU breaking the school scoring record. 77. To 17. Okay. We both like 17 for Army. I like yeah, we, that. It, it is pretty accurate. I do want to add that Dave made a comment that the Army is better on the ground than the air, but in 1983, a joint military war game proved that U.S. Army helicopters outflew U.S. Air Force jets. Look it up. And that's how Tulane scoots past Air Force to get into the New Year's Six Bowl prediction. What the hell does that have to do with the football game? It's just a fun fact. You're a fun fact. All right. Our last game for this week, Saints versus Jaguars. Why is everybody looking at me? Because you're the literal announcer for the Saints. All right. um, Let's circle around. We need to have a little come to Jesus. That's right. Uh, I think it's time we temper our expectations for this Thursday night. Okay. Daddy Dennis Allen is watching Big Brother Pete Carmichael and Little Brother Derek Carr fight over whose toy it is. 
and he's giving him the you two figure it out fussing while he's telling everybody else that there's nothing to see here. Meanwhile, Trevor Lawrence is figuring out how to win NFL football and Jacksonville hasn't lost on the road yet this season. There are some things that may work in our favor. Trevor Lawrence is currently rehabbing a knee injury that sidelined him for practice on Monday. He's listed as questionable in day-to-day, as is wide receiver Zay Jones. I'd still expect to see Trevor Lawrence play. Starting quarterback Tyson Campbell, unlikely to play because of a hamstring injury. Also a fun fact that most LSU Tiger fans are well aware of. Mm. To date, Trevor Lawrence has not won in the Superdome which I'm sure is a stat that he would like to erase. If you're going to stand a chance, our defense is going to have to get to Trevor Lawrence early and often and remind him what the dome lights and the ceiling look like. I, however, think that's going to be very hard to do as banged up as we are. Y'all, I would like to remind you, I previously said the Saints were going to go 11-6. and While I would love, love, the birthday dub from my team. This has been one of my six all season long. Mm. In Jacksonville, 27-17. And that's a beautiful prediction. I think it has a lot of heart to it. I think it really tugs on the internal emotions. And what what tugs on me getting back in the number one position in our game here is, is being different than Dave. Is being different than Dave, and it's also being accurate. So let me. So give you're going to you take the Saints 27 17? Even worse. I'm going to tell you something that nobody wants to listen to, hear, or believe. I think that you have the opportunity for the offense to not outthink themselves into mistakes. It is a short practice week. There's not going to be a over replay of the mistakes in Texas. You're simply going to have to get ready, go do your job. I saw Derek Carr put up a absolutely respectable performance last week. I saw Alvin Kamara, who would like to score a touchdown in the Superdome and celebrate his recent records. I see the Saints winning 42 to 21. Bullshit. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. No way. No way. 42 to 21. No way. Someone has to say it. it. I said it. I said it. I am the chosen one. After seeing what the Jaguars did with Trevor Lawrence, the Chargers last year, coming back from such a deficit to kick their butt, and after Where seeing like Tampa Bay no uh, destroy uh, the Saints in the Dome with their offense being struggling, much like they did last week, I see the Saints struggling with their offense as they have the entire season. I see 24 Jaguars to three Saints. Nope, nope, 24 to seven Saints. Saints win 24-7. No, no, Jaguars win. Jaguars win 24-7. Because after seeing what they did last oh, year. Oh, I yeah. see. Okay. Oh, I see. The path has been laid. How, look. For a Donald victory. So, this, that's, the, that's the funniest thing. Look me in my eye. Yeah. Look me dead in my eye. In and tell eye. me that you honestly believe the New Orleans Saints offense that we have right now that's right. Playing the way that they are playing right now. Right now. Who struggled to put up 31 junk points in a gimme game against New England is going to somehow post 42 on Jacksonville. 42. Tell me that to my face. You believe that. I believe that. You a lie. You I'm, a lie. There's I'm, no way. I believe it. There's no and way. And you can believe it too if you comment down below and you say you agree with me. 
or give your own prediction. We love both here. Correct. Make sure you put all your predictions for any of the games that we call in the comment sections. If you have any other comments that you would like to offer up, please hit us up. Let us know whatever it is that you want to say. Comments, questions, predictions, whatever. Uh, you can put them in the comment section below of whatever uh, avenue that you are watching or listening right. on. Uh, you can watch and inter interact with us on YouTube. Take the audio-only version of this podcast with you wherever you go. On services like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, now tune in. So many others. The easiest thing to remember and tell all, all your, your friends, friends is bootsportsnetwork.com. It's your front row VIP ticket to Boots to Balls and all things boot sports. It's where you can leave those comments, questions, and predictions. Find us in your preferred podcast arenas. No matter where or how you listen, make sure to like and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on all your favorite social media channels. They are right here in the ticker below. Uh, we are also now on TikTok, so you should check us out there as well. And as of, I believe it was last week, we have started putting the whole episode of Boots to Balls on Facebook. On Facebook. Yes, so two ways to get the whole video show. So follow Boot Sports Network on Facebook, and you can see the entire show there as well. On behalf of uh, the next Tulane hopeful, maybe wouldn't be slightly considered AD producer Brett, right. uh, Donald Dunn, and myself. We hope you guys have a great boot sports weekend, and we will see you right here next time for another coverage outkicking episode of Boots, boots to Balls. So long, everybody. Boots to Balls is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast does not render legal or financial advice. Remember to bet responsibly. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with problem gambling, reach out to your local gambling helpline.